This is a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek, where we welcome priests from the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and the Diocese of Lafayette in Indiana to tell us their vocation stories. We are so grateful to and thankful for our priests as they serve us and bring us the sacraments daily. Before we introduce today's special guest priest, we'd like to pray for you, Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of our priests. Through them, we experience your presence in the sacraments. Help our priests to be strong in their vocation. Set their souls on fire with love for your people. Grant them the wisdom, understanding, and strength they need to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We ask this through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns as our eternal priest. Amen. Hello, this is Gordon Smith, and welcome to Father Ryan McCarthy. Good to be with you, Gordon. We're down at Holy Rosary Parish in the uh, downtown of Indianapolis, in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. This is the, the parish that Father's been assigned to. So um, how long have you been a priest, Father? Uh, 21st anniversary will be this June, so not quite 21 years. So you're not an old guy, but you are certainly not a brand new priest. Uh, thank you for your service. You're welcome. Um, Holy Rosary is your latest assignment, but it, I looked through your bio on the uh, Indy Archdiocese website, and it seems like you made a Southern Indiana tour in your early years. I did. I've been through a lot of parishes. Most of them are in Southern Indiana. Um, and some assignments outside of the diocese. I think if you count up all the part-time and full-time parish assignments, I think this is the 19th parish that I've landed in. Did you have an idea in high school and college uh, prior to that job that you wanted to become a priest, or what was the calling and what was the turning point? I think the calling for me had always been there from a young age. I used to serve Mass all the time. In fact, I served Mass for most of my grade school years every day. I served the 6.20 a.m. Mass at the parish I grew up in, in Springfield, Illinois. So uh, 6.20 a.m. Mass was kind of my thing. I'd go serve Mass and then uh, run home, eat breakfast, and go back to school. So uh, in those days, I definitely felt a draw to the priesthood, but didn't really know what that was about. And then when I got to high school, I lost sight of that sense of vocation and call, and not until after college did the... I guess, for lack of a better term, the call come back. So for a young man that is in that age bracket, uh, maybe between high school and college or college and his first job, uh, what, what are the signs that he would uh, be interested in looking out for? I'd say the first sign that you want to be interested in looking for, or should be looking for, is a desire or a draw to serve the church in that capacity. So I think an interest in serving at the altar, uh, an interest in being a priest, uh, a love for the church for sure are three of the things that I think you can look for. I think the real essential part and the thing that helped bring me around in hearing my vocational call more clearly and responding to it more fully is prayer. I think developing a prayer life is what allows you to hear that call more clearly and understand what that call means. Otherwise, in the day and age in which we're at, and even back in those dark ages 30 years ago when I was discerning a vocation, uh, there's just too much white noise in the world today. So without a prayer life, to be able to sit and listen to the Lord, I think it's hard to hear the call, and you might sense that there's 
an urge or a push in that direction, but to hear anything specific, I think, only is going to come with prayer. Now, you've also had some tragedy in your life. Um, your your older brother uh, passed away f- several years ago. He did. Uh, that was really tragic t- car accident. Terrible thing. And um, how did that shape or influence your um, your belief in God? Did that shake you to the core, or or how did that work out? I didn't shake my faith at all. I think, if anything, it just caused me to lean back more heavily into it so that I could find the strength to deal with all of the emotional and even more so, really, the practical things that come up with the death of a loved one. So it was an incredible grounding to have that faith and that belief in God. And I often shook my head as we're going through those things, and still do sometimes today, how people can endure those things without that faith to lean into and that strong foundation. Surely needed at that time and in all times, uh, faith in God, a strong faith in God. So thank you for that. Thank you for your priesthood. Uh, We're talking today to Father Ryan McCarthy of Holy Rosary Parish in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Uh, Father, tell me a little bit about, and our audience, please tell us about um, Holy Rosary. And uh, this is the home of the Latin Mass in Indianapolis. It is. So Holy Rosary was founded in uh, 1909 by Monsignor Marino Priori, who was the an Italian priest brought in from Italy in order to minister to the Italian-speaking immigrants here in Indianapolis. And this neighborhood was one of the most largely Italian-populated neighborhoods, mostly with people who sold fruit and vegetables a lot from carts and stands. So the archdiocese was looking at those Italian immigrants who are almost all Catholic and were being proselytized by local Protestant groups and wanted to do something to keep them in the fold. So they brought an Italian-speaking priest from Italy to start this parish here. And uh, it was founded as a parish for Italian-speaking immigrants. And then as time went on, obviously, the immigrant population, we don't get a whole lot of Italian-speaking immigrants anymore, but those families have been around and are still, many of them, uh, are still involved in the parish. But others have mostly migrated south, actually, southern, not southern Indianapolis, southern Indianapolis, not southern Indiana. And uh, parish for a while was struggling, and then... Monsignor Shadle invited the Latin Mass community to come into the parish almost 20 years ago now, I think. And um, he was the vicar general at the, the time? He was the vicar general at the time. And the Latin Mass community found a home here. And uh, so since that time, we've had both Latin Mass and English Mass uh, here at Holy Rosary. And those two communities have been able to blend together and strengthen a great old parish and a great old church building. So speaking of the historical part of what you were saying, um, for listeners, in downtown Indianapolis, there are uh, three different Catholic churches within about a half mile of each other. I think one was German, another was Irish, and this one was for the immigrants from um, Italy. Italy, I'm sorry. Um, and But now with the um, advent of the 2,000-year-old Latin Mass, um, and I think Mon- you mentioned Monsignor Schadel, uh, 
Well, that originally was manned by the fraternity, priestly fraternity of St. Peter. It right? was. And what caused uh, them to leave and you to take their place? I can't testify to what caused them to leave. I'm not sure of all the issues. Um, we kind of poached a couple of their priests. That may have been, had something to do with it, but I don't know the actual reason why they left. And then uh, after that, I was assigned here. Uh, let me try to remember. We went through a series of bishops at that time. I think it was actually Archbishop Tobin who was the one who signed me here. Well, and we're grateful for that. Thank and, you, Father. Yeah, and when he signed me here, he asked me to minister to both the Latin Mass community and the English-speaking community. And so did you have a particular interest in the Latin Mass? Did you have some background in that from your trips overseas? I had a little bit of background in it. Uh, I had celebrated it about a half dozen times before I came here, um, but not on any regular basis. And the Archbishop said, well, learn it. So I did. And uh, how is your Mass attendance? Do you have uh, very many that come down to the Latin Mass? I'd have to check the numbers for sure. The church is full every Sunday. I mean, for English and Latin Mass, the church is pretty much full every Sunday. So probably between 350 and 400 people, I would guess, uh, for English Mass and Latin Mass on Sunday. And then there's a Saturday evening English Mass as well. And we're recording this in the late May, late part of May, but I think you have a kind of famous uh, parish festival that comes up in June, don't we you? We do, the Holy Rosary Italian Street Festival, which is our big fundraiser for the year, and it's been going on for over 30 years, where we block off the streets here around the neighborhood and basically turn into a, well, it's mostly about Italian food, Italian culture as well, and we'll have some bands playing, not a whole lot of Italian music, but they'll be playing good music. Uh, and we just kind of celebrate the heritage of the parish in the neighborhood. Amen. Um, how about... Uh, could you tell us a funny story of something that's happened at the rectory or, or, or something down here that really kind of brings it home for folks in our listening audience? And I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but surely there's things that happen downtown here that um, don't happen out in the suburbs. There are a lot of funny stories. I'm not sure how many should be repeated. That's what I'm kind of... <laughs> I'm kind of going through my mind censoring them, uh, trying to figure out uh, what they are. I mean, this is probably uh, good enough. So, as people are aware, there's a fairly large homeless population, mostly homeless men, that kind of wander around downtown Indianapolis here and there, and occasionally they make it down to our area in our neighborhood. And uh, three years ago, maybe, uh, we were decorating the church for Christmas, and we had our Christmas decorations staged in the courtyard, which is in between the church and the school. So we had some trees and some wreaths and some other things. Um, and our wreaths mysteriously disappeared. There are about a dozen fresh pine wreaths that disappeared. And as we were finishing the decorating, the ladies who were in charge of decorating the church came to me and asked me if I knew where the wreaths had gone, and I said no. And... Uh, I said they were in the courtyard when I last looked, and they should be there, and they were not there, and so they were very upset, and right about the time they had given up, uh, a man who was homeless uh, came walking up the street and was carrying a large bundle of Christmas wreaths, which he then proceeded to sell the ladies of the parish back to us. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. So we bought those reeds twice. <laughs> Capitalism. Yes. Um, back to becoming a priest and being a priest. Um, do you have any regrets about this? Do you like living alone? Um, what, what, what are some of the challenges of becoming a priest? So no regrets about becoming a priest. There are definitely challenges in being a priest. One of the challenges is living alone. But I think when and John Paul II talks about the difference between solitude and loneliness, and I think when you can recognize that the time you spend alone in the rectory around the church can be a time of solitude rather than loneliness, I think there's some great benefit in that. And much of that involves prayer, but also... For a good amount of my time down here at Holy Rosary, there have been other people who've lived, other priests or seminarians who've lived in the rectory with me, and there's a great camaraderie and fellowship uh, when you have that. In fact, right now, another priest lives in the rectory and ministers to one of the other downtown parishes. So uh, that's a great thing, and a lot of community fraternity goes on, and I'm all in favor of that. And the priests who live in and around downtown are pretty good about getting together on a regular basis for sure dinner and social time. Obviously, COVID kind of threw everyone's rhythm off, including our own in regards to that. But uh, making sure that you have healthy relationships with your peers is a lot of work, but well worth it. But it is certainly one of the struggles. Uh, obviously, the state of the church these days and particularly regards to all the scandals that have taken place in the church make things difficult uh, to live life as a priest because it's largely become a world that is suspect and hostile of priests. And so it's harder to minister to people and to be available to people when a lot of the world's approach is kind of a standoffish and suspicious approach to who we are and what we're doing. Uh, so that's been one of the challenges I think I didn't see coming as a seminary, and I wouldn't have foreseen that. So I was ordained in 2001, kind of in the midst of the beginning of the scandals. Um, and certainly uh, uh, we in seminary at the time didn't see the series of falls coming one after the other. Uh, sure. So that would that would be something I didn't foresee and has been a little bit more difficult, but I think studying history can be a great solace there, knowing that the church has gone through many periods of time of reformation and deformation and reformation again. Um, sure. And conversion and reconversion and falling back. And so it's not a surprise or shock that we're kind of in a state where the church is now trying, particularly in the West, to recover some of her traditions and to recover a lot of her parishioners. I think the last time I looked, uh, the most recent Pew study had us at I think 23% of Sunday, uh, no, 23% of Catholics attended Mass regularly on Sunday, which is, makes, if I recall the statistic, makes fallen away Catholics the largest religious group in the U.S. Um, we're talking to Father Ryan McCarthy today and the Sons of Melchizedek pro program, and uh, we'll be right back after a short break. When a business is looking to expand, they say it's all about location, location, location. But what about when the church needs to expand? To stretch out and reach those fallen away, estranged from the faith, or those who simply have never heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Then it's all about vocation, vocation, vocation. We need more people dedicated to the mission of serving the church, more priests, more deacons, more men and women of vowed service, 
and more lay workers willing to go into the fields. The harvest is rich, but the workers are few. Is God calling you to service? Pray on it, and while you're there, pray for more vocations. A simple request from your friends at Catholic Radio Indy. We're talking to Father Ryan McCarthy today, and um, you mentioned some of the scandals that uh, started cropping up at the beginning of your priesthood, and they've been a source of, of great disappointment for many people um, and a challenge for you and other priests. Um, so um, part of the purpose of this program is to encourage people um, and young men in their vocations um, and to not be afraid of uh, God's providence and to trust in God's providence. Um, But we really appreciate what you do and um, how how your thing that you love the most, your vocation, can also be a source of worry for some people. So uh, tell us some of the things you like the most about being a priest. So I think that Top two things would be celebrating the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, I think, number one. And number two is probably reconciling people to God, and that would be either through the confessional or in any other way, that you're able to mend people's relationship with God and the church when they've fallen away. I think those are the two things. And uh, I think the great blessing of being given the opportunity to minister both in the older Latin Rite and the new Latin Rite Masses uh, has been a broader perspective and understanding of the theology and experience of kind of a phenomenological experience of the Mass, which has given me a deeper appreciation for that, for the ritual and for the um, liturgy and for the history and theology of the Mass. So that's been a really great blessing to kind of get steeped more into that uh, inheritance of the church, that literal tradition, those things handed down to us, and see how that is bridged and kind of keep digging deeper into the those sacred mysteries. So for our audience, to explain, you made a differentiation there between the traditional Latin Mass and the newer Latin Mass. Can you explain that just so uh, they have a better understanding? Sure. So we celebrate the Latin Rite Mass if you're Roman, what people call Roman Catholics. Roman Catholics are Latin Rite Catholics who celebrate uh, the ritual according to the, according to the Latin Rite. And so uh, in 1968, there was a reformed Latin Rite that was put into place and then several reforms of that reform so that the Mass you go to in 95% of the parishes now sometimes would be referred to the Novus Ordo. Uh, it's the current version of the Latin Rite. So uh, that'd be the Latin Rite Mass. And then what probably most people think of the Latin Rite Mass in their minds when you hear Latin Rite Mass is the traditional Latin Rite Mass or the Mass of uh, St. John the Twenty-Third. I think is the official name coming out of Rome for it right now, sometimes is referred to the extraordinary form of the Mass. Benedict coined those two terms, the extraordinary form and the ordinary form of the Mass. Um, and they used to call that the Tridentine. Correct. Because um, it was the Mass coming out of the Tridentine reforms, the Tridentine reforms from the Council of Trent, uh, which was largely celebrated in Latin, and then uh, the rituals, the framework and the rituals date back to 
for sure the seventh, eighth century. Um, the mass as we know it was only really codified after the Council of Trent, and there's been reforms of that mass up until 1962, which is the kind of date in which we take our <laughs> it's so confusing. <laughs> The current missile that we use, the current book that we use to celebrate the old Latin mass is from 1962. So that was the last publication of a, of the older Latin rite. And then in, there were some transitional rites, and then in 1968 we got the current right now. I don't know, that may be more confusing than helpful. I don't know if that clarifies it or not. That might be confusing, but I'll just confuse it a little more here. I'm reading on um, some of your biographical information, and uh, there's an Anglican ordinariate listed here. How does that relate to the Catholic Church? So the Anglican ordinariate was founded by Pope Benedict XVI in order to help facilitate people from the Anglican tradition, so that would be the English Reformed tradition, so the churches of England, uh, the Anglican church specifically, and then in the U.S. what we'd call the Episcopalian church, and in other countries they call the Episcopalian church, um, help to facilitate their transition back to the Latin Rite Catholic church using their liturgical traditions that had developed after the Reform, and actually some of them predate the Reform to something called the Serum Rite, which was the rite that was celebrated in England before the Reforms. So so does that end up in Latin or in English? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> partially in Latin and partially in English. Uh, most of it is in English. And we hosted that here for, uh, let's see, about eight years, I think, we hosted that here. And since the community has been appointed a priest from the Anglican Ordinariate, which is the diocese that, um, the, uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember the name, Our, the Diocese of Our Lady of Walsingham. No, it's the Cathedral of Our Lady of Walsingham, the diocese. I can't remember. Um, and, and that community now celebrates at Good Shepherd. Good Shepherd. Good Shepherd. Um, but they have a different name. Yeah, it's not a diocese. It's an ordinary, and the ordinary is a diocese without boundaries. And yeah, it's a complicated canonical thing. <laughs> but I serve that group here for uh, six and a half of those eight years over here. Father, tell tell me what your favorite Bible quote is or favorite favorite story. Uh, my favorite Bible quote is Acts eleven seven. Uh, Peter wake, go slaughter and eat. Because uh, I'm a big fan of meat, so. Just kind of that standby quote. Uh, so that's probably my favorite Bible quote, but that's not very theological or spiritual in nature. A little bit, I guess. You're showing us your sense of humor. I got that. Uh, let's see. What would be my favorite Bible story would be... Uh, I love the story of that uh, comes at the very end of the Gospel of St. John, where... Christ reveals himself again to the apostles at the side of the lake, and uh, John jumps into the water, and Peter follows afterwards. They come to the shore. He feeds them with fish, and then uh, our Lord challenges Peter again with, Simon Peter, do you love me? Three times. Right, three times. I love that story and that whole uh, end of the Gospel of St. John showing the primacy that Peter has in one sense, 
Uh, but the frailty of that primacy of the hierarchy and the primacy of the love of God that St. John has and his great love for the Lord and that intimate relationship. And I like those things, how John paints them as living side by side, that there's a there's an, a great importance and there's a great primacy to the intimacy with which our Lord calls an individual in a loving relationship with him. And that is one way in which we approach the Lord. And the other way in which we approach the Lord is through the hierarchy of the church, um, which clearly is founded by Christ and uh, on Peter, who was given to us by Christ, but also with the knowledge that this was a frail human being who has many faults, who has given it, nonetheless, is the one Christ chose to exercise that ministry. So there's that kind of dual authority in the church. One is the authority of the individual witness, which comes from the love we have from the Lord, and the other is the authority from the sacrament of holy orders, from the apostolic succession, which comes through St. Peter. I think he was given the keys, wasn't he? Uh, not at that moment, but yes, he was given the keys. <laughs> Uh, thank you. We've been talking today to Father Ryan McCarthy, priest at Holy Rosary Parish in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. Uh, Father, I have one last question for you. And um, Are there any things that your par- parishioners, uh, the people that come to Holy Rosary, can do or not do to make your life easier? I mean, the, the key is always becoming holy, right? I mean, the holier they are, the easier my life is in one sense. I keep telling them to stop sinning, so I stop having to hear all their confessions, but they keep sinning. (laughs) Um, I think actually the thing that does make our life as priests easier is prayer, their prayers for us and the graces that they can obtain for their pastors. So if I say there's anything parishioners can do, the first thing I'd say is to pray for your priest because it's a Hard vocation. Everyone has a hard vocation today. Marriage is a very, very difficult vocation in the day and age in which we live, and being open to children uh, is something that's openly mocked in our society and culture today. So, right. I mean, it's its own crosses, but I think that uh, I think the devil and the world have it out for the priesthood uh, because it is a life in this day and age, particularly that is lived so counterculturally. There's so many more uh, active attacks on chastity and virtue and obedience and humility and all these things that priests are supposed to be living out and fulfilling in their lives. And I think prayer and the graces given to priests, which are no small part in and through the intercession of their parishioners is really essential. Well, we want to keep you always in our prayers. Thank you so much for your vocation. Uh, We realize that we need to support our priests in every way we can. And I want to thank you today, Father Ryan McCarthy, for uh, talking to us and sharing your vocation story. And um, we look forward to a long priesthood for you. Um, And thank you. You're welcome. Uh, We've been talking today to Father Ryan McCarthy, priest of the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. This is Gordon Smith. You've been listening to a special edition of Faith in Action entitled Sons of Melchizedek. Join us again next time when we'll feature another priest from the area. If you are interested in having your priest appear on this show, please contact us at Catholic Radio Indy. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. 